to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Wow, what a great, great day, and uh, good to be able to be back with you at Park District. Uh, and seems like it's been a few weeks, been probably two months since I was here last. But I want to invite you and we're going to jump into the, the, the series, Milk and Honey. And I'm going to deal today with the principle of impartation. The principle of impartation. As you're dealing with various principles, and in particularly the principle of impartation as it relates to your family, to your children. Listen, God ordained the family. God ordained the family. There are three governmental expressions in the Bible that God ordained, that he, express, he expressly speaks to. There is civil government. God ordained civil government. God ordained the church. But first, above all, God ordained the family. This was the first formal expression of the rule of the kingdom of God. It was in the family. That is a husband and a wife and children. And so this is not just about having kids and, you know, having to endure life. This is about raising up uh, an offspring that, that demonstrate in a, a beautiful, beautiful way God's goodness and grace. And kids, let me, let, how, do we have some parents here? How many of you are parents? If you're not parents, you probably will be parents soon. This is a young church and there's, there's a lot of, of uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids, let's put it there. <laughs> There's a lot of, of, I'll leave it at that. Growth, growth, that's what I wanted to say. And so we started seeing kids, I love that. I was greeted at the front door this morning by baby strollers where this was their first uh, visit with their baby. And, and I, I thought, boy, this is so great. And so it's wonderful to see God adding to families. And kids have the capacity to be the greatest source of joy and fulfillment. They also have the ability to be the greatest source of disappointment and frustration. And usually all of that in the same day, you know. You know, you, you, you'll, you'll go from, you know, being thrilled, just look at them, to like, what in the world are you doing? What made you do that? All in the same time, your children. And we have an amazing opportunity to impart to a generation and to experience God's blessing. So I want to I just remind you, uh, the, kind of the foundation text of this, of this series, Exodus 3.17, where, where God says, listen, I, I, as I promised you, he, he, he would bring you out. Bring the, he's talking to, to the children of Israel. He said, I'll bring you out of Egypt and out of misery. Egypt was a picture of your life, my life, before we knew Christ, where we were under a cruel taskmaster, Satan, who ruled us and, 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 and 
forced us into grueling, laborious labor where there was no joy. That's what life was like. I know there are glimpses of, of fun and glimpses of life without Christ, but the, but the end result uh, is what Jesus said in John 10, that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But God said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And, and, and so God says, I, I, I promise you, to bring you out... And all of that is wonderful. That's what happens when we get saved. We get brought out of the kingdom of darkness, and we are translated into the kingdom of his dear son, the Scripture said. But he didn't just, Jesus didn't die just to bring you out. Jesus died to bring you out and to bring you in, to bring you into something amazing. Listen, now it would be enough if he just if he died just to bring you out of, of, of sin's bondage, and uh, that would be awesome. But he didn't die just for that. He died to bring you into something. And we need to capture this, and we need to learn how to appropriate this in our life. And so I want to read to you today from Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. Cool. And uh, landed right way up. I will establish my covenant between me and you. Now, notice that word covenant. I will establish my covenant. God is speaking here to Abram or to Abraham. By this time, his name has been changed. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Now, I want to draw some parallels, and I want you to be able to see there is this scarlet thread that runs throughout this book. Because you see, God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God. Now, if you, I, I want to just try to teach you a little bit because if you capture this truth, you will start understanding why God does what he does. Okay? When you understand that God, first of all, is a God of covenant. Now, what is a covenant? A covenant is a formal, solemn, and binding agreement between two or more parties for the performance of some action. Okay? In other words, it is an agreement. God says, I'm going to establish an agreement with you. And he says this, first of all, to a man named Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Abram, whose name became Abraham. And he shows up to Abram. Now, now you want to see a picture of the goodness of God. you got to really grasp this. Abram was an idol worshiper. He worshiped idols. And God just says, you know what? I love him, and I'm going to come to him and reveal myself to him. Now, there's a reason why God chose Abram. Do you know what that reason was? The reason was he chose Abram because he knew he would instruct his children after him. Amazing. In other words, because God knew, Abram's tendency would be to impart to his children something, God shows up and says, I'm going to form a covenant with this man. 
I'm going to establish a binding agreement with this man named Abram who was an idol worshiper who did not know God, who knew nothing about God. Any of you ever felt like that? You see, you don't have to prove yourself to get God's favor. God is just a good God like we've been singing about. He just decides to show up in our life and do good things to us and reveal his beautiful character to us again and again. That's the goodness of God. Oh, how we love the Lord. How awesome. So he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you, but not just between me and you. I'm establishing a covenant. Now, this is going to be very appropriate to where you are today. He said, I'm going to establish a covenant between me and you and your offspring. In other words, it's not just going to be a covenant that's going to affect your life, but it's going to affect your kids. It's not going to only affect your kids, it's going to affect your grandkids. In fact, the New Testament says this, that, 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 that God's blessing and God's favor flows forth, uh, and it literally will affect a thousand generations. Do you realize that when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you've made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, that literally the whole generations after you have been changed because of one decision you made to give your life to Christ? How awesome is that? Amazing! Amazing. My grandfather made a decision when he was 18 years old to get on a train and to travel up into southern Virginia and hear an evangelist named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was kind of like the Billy Graham of a previous generation. Heard Billy Sunday, and my grandfather got, gave his life to Jesus Christ and was radically converted. And from that, he raised five children, all of which served the Lord. My dad, who's in heaven, was one of him. He was the second born. I have been impacted directly because of the decision that my grandfather made. My children, all of which are serving the Lord, Sandy and I, all of our children serving the Lord, all impacted directly because of a decision that my grandfather made in when he was... 18, 19 years of age, probably around 1917, 1916, 1917. Over a hundred years now, a blessing on my family because one decision was made one day to bow his knee by an 18 or 19 year old young man and the whole trajectory of generations have now been changed because of that. Wow, what a God. What a God. That's what's going on in your life. That's what's going on in your family. It wasn't just one day you decided, I'll pray a prayer and I'll receive forgiveness of my sins. No, he brought you out that he might bring you in and bring you into the fullness of blessing, not only to impact your life, but your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-grandkids if you live that long and on and on and on and on. So that generations become carriers of the blessing and the favor of God. And that's what he's saying to Abram here, or Abraham now, as his name has been changed. So God is a God of covenant. In Genesis 12, go back there, 
Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, this is when he shows up. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That is a picture of the redemptive nature of God in a family line. And that's what we see really as the scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation in this book. Now, this book is divided into two sections. It is the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, and it is the what? New Testament or the New Covenant. Now, what is a covenant? It is a binding agreement between two parties that, that, that requires an action. Okay? Now, here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere. Now, this old covenant was amazing. Now, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand something. This is all built not on what you do, but on what Christ has done. Okay? That's called grace. In other words, Christ fulfilled the covenant. All right? In other words, all the requirements of the covenant in the Old Testament, it was on the people. They had to do all kinds of things. It was called the law. They had to keep the law. They had to live certain ways. And, you know, it, it, one example of that would, would be like, you know, when they would gather on, on, on Sabbath, they couldn't even walk more than six-tenths of a mile because they, they, they couldn't ride horses or camels or anything else. They had to walk. They had to, everything had to be closed. It was all rigid laws, dietary laws, and all kinds of things that they had to perform. And all of that was connected to the fulfillment of the covenant. God says, you do this and I'll do this. That's the old covenant. And under the old covenant, I want you to understand this, under the old covenant, there were five distinctive, amazing covenantal promises. Now, this is under the old covenant. Because we're talking about impartation are the principle of impartation to the next generation. We're talking about giving something to another generation. Now, the first thing, if you look at Deuteronomy, now Deuteronomy is kind of an expansion of the, the, the promises that God gave to Abram. Because what you start seeing is you start seeing from Genesis right on through the first five books, the Pentateuch, right on through the Old Testament, you start seeing a progressive revelation or unfolding of what God has really promised. Y'all following me? You with me still? Okay, and I want, I want to take you somewhere. And then in Deuteronomy 28, he shows up to Moses and he tells Moses something. Now Moses is now generations removed from Abram. And there are, these are the children of Israel, or the sons of Abraham. Generations later, he shows up in Deuteronomy 28 and he says, and if you fully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, you see that there? That's the old covenant. Being careful to do all his commandments. That's Old Testament law. 
In other words, you fulfill everything you are supposed to. And when you fulfill everything you're supposed to, God says, I'll do what I promised. He says, when you, you fulfill all the commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. In other words, God says, I will do what I've promised if you do what you've been instructed as a part of the covenant. Now, this is why it's so important for us to understand the grace of God. Because you see, too many Christians live their lives today with an Old Testament view of God. Listen, this was Old Covenant. It was all built on my performance. In other words, if I'm a good boy, I get blessing. If I'm not a good boy, I don't get blessed. If I fulfill the law, I receive the promise. But if I don't fulfill the law, I don't receive the promise. That's Old Testament. And there, there are some amazing promises, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. There are some amazing promises. But listen, our covenant is built on better promises. All right? Now, let's, go, let's look at this just a minute. He said, so if you fully obey. And then he goes on, and I'm going to just kind of take you through verses 1 through 14 really quick. He says, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall, you, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. In other words, he is promising a covenantal blessing that is directly connected to the people who, who would, would come in covenant with him. And the first covenantal blessing is that God's presence will be with you. That you will be a recipient of God's presence, God's amazing presence. How many of you know where God is, good is? Okay? Where God is, blessing is. Where God is, favor is. Let God's presence in and all, everything that's good comes with it. That's God. And so what he's saying, he said, you come into covenant with me, and when you come into covenant with me, you're going to be a recipient of divine presence. I'm going to be with you. How many of you think that's good when God is with us? I'll be with you. Now, what does the New Testament say? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be with you. Even when you mess up. Under the Old Testament, you didn't get the presence when you messed up. Under the New Testament, you get the presence all the time. Under the Old Testament, it was based on our faithfulness. Under the New Testament, it's based on Christ's faithfulness. Hey, you know, but the, in, fact, in fact, the Scripture says this, even when we are not faithful, He remains faithful. Hallelujah. So you get God's presence. The second Promise, covenantal promise here is in verse 7. He said, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven. The second covenantal promise is not only God's presence, but God's protection. You want God's protection? God, listen, a part of the covenant, covenantal promises of God is that we are protected and guarded and watched over by the Lord. I love that. Your children, your offspring shall be protected and guarded and watched over by the Lord. 
Oh, how God, faithful God is. I'm taking you somewhere with this. I want you to see the Old Testament in light of the new, all right? And the Old Testament promises that God gave to Abram. Everything that God gave to Abram, he gave to you. Everything. The third thing is, I want you to look in verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all you undertake. And you will, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So God says, not only will I give you my presence and my protection, but I am also going to give you my provision. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to add to you. I'm going to expand you. I'm going to extend you. Provision is that which we need for daily life. Okay? How many of you got some bills? Yeah. God's promises, I, I'm going to help you take care of that stuff. I like that. Then in verse 9, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. There's that legalistic part again. There's that law-keeping part again. That performance, that's the thing that's all built on me. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground. Within the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain on your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The fourth covenantal promise is God's prosperity. So you get God's presence, God's protection, God's provision, God's prosperity. Do you know what? God wants to expand you and extend you beyond your wildest dreams. That's the heart of God. I mean, we have watched God again and again and again. My father, I watched him in business. When he began to walk in the covenantal promises of God, watch how God supernaturally blew upon his businesses. Literally, he was a building contractor. Literally to the point, I have watched builders come down and talk to my dad. Paul, I don't understand it. I build as good a house as you build, but they'll drive right past my house and go down and buy your house. Paul, what is your secret? And my dad sent them down like little Sunday school boys and say to them, well, I don't often tell people my secret, but he'd take his Bible and he'd open up his Bible and he'd say, let me tell you my secret. Here's my secret. And he began to teach him the Word of God. You see, that's the world becoming jealous because of God's covenantal promises on your life. And then the verse 13, he says this, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall go up and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do.
do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. The, the fifth covenantal promise that is there is God's promotion. So you got God's, God's presence, God's protection, God's provision, God's prosperity, and God's promotion. Wow, what a deal. What amazing. All because of a covenant that God established with Abram thousands of years ago that now runs as a promise right through the Scripture. Now you say, well, that was great. That was Old Testament stuff. That was for this guy named Abram. But what about me? Well, let's go to the New Testament. Let's look, what does the New Testament teach? Because you see, the New Testament or the New Covenant is actually a picture or the fulfillment of the Old. It is the Old Covenant fulfilled. So you see, the Old Testament or Old Covenant is the New Testament concealed. The New Covenant is the Old Covenant revealed or fulfilled. And so they're directly connected. There's a scarlet thread that runs through it. It's a covenant because God is a covenant-keeping God. Now, under the old covenant, it was all built on what we do. But God knew that would be a problem. Why did he know that would be a problem? Because you and I have this big problem. We go wondering no matter how many times we set up that we are going to do the right thing, guess what? We still mess up. Any of you ever messed up? So what the Bible teaches is this, that the law of the Old Testament was actually a schoolmaster to bring you and me to Jesus Christ. In other words, no matter how hard I tried to fulfill God's requirements under the old, and if you're trying to fulfill God's requirements, I want to go ahead and re release you from that. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you can't do it. You can't be good enough to get God's acceptance. You can't be good enough. So what do we do? We come to God. This is why Paul said, hey, the things that I wanted to do are not the things that I do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. A wretched man that I am, who delivers me from this body of death? I thank God. Now, I'm trying to teach you. This is a, a, a heavy principle. But when you, when you grasp it, it absolutely unlocks everything because it's all connected. It's all connected. And here's what he says. This is the writer of Hebrews. But as it is... Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it was enacted on better promises. You see, all of the benefits and the blessings of the covenant are still intact. It was only the performance of the requirements that was the problem. And you couldn't, and I couldn't perform the requirements. So what did God do? God sent his son, Jesus, who was the total fulfillment of all of the requirements so that you and I, when we put our faith and our trust in Christ Jesus, we now have the fulfillment of all of the covenantal promises. All done. Hallelujah. It's all done. I didn't produce it. 
Christ produced it. You see, I had no capacity to produce the requirements of the old covenant. But God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give to my kids the benefits and the blessings of the covenant. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to fulfill all of the promises or the requirements of that covenant through my son, Jesus Christ. And when they put their faith in Jesus Christ, they now have the benefit of all of the covenant. That's what Paul is writing when he writes in Galatians. Listen to this. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. How? Through faith. Through faith. In other words, you are now a recipient of all the covenantal blessings of that promise that God gave to Abram. You are now a recipient of that through faith in Jesus Christ. You didn't have to do all the works. No, Christ performed the works. All you did was show up one day and said, I believe in you, Jesus. I can't do it, but you did. And I put my faith and my trust in you. And I received the benefit and the blessing of that. Come on, somebody. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of thanks. For, listen, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, ladies. And you know, we're all one in Christ. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, notice here, then are you, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The promise was given to Abraham, but it had requirements that had to be fulfilled. Those requirements were fulfilled through Jesus Christ, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, how many of you think we've got better promises? Yes, we've got better promises. Now listen, as a result of that, we have to come down to this basic practical question. And to quote Francis Schaeffer, how should we then live? How should we then live? In other words, when you become a recipient of the covenantal blessing and promise of God, it ought to make a difference in the way you approach life. Now, we're talking about the principle of impartation. We're talking about creating in our children and in our grandchildren an awareness of God's blessing on their life. Now, I know this, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. So everybody has to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for themselves. There is this direct line that every one of us have. Aren't you glad for that? You did put your faith in him. So how should we live? First of all, expect blessing. Expect blessing. You see, you came to Christ not through works. 
In other words, you didn't have to prove something to God in order to receive salvation. You just received it, didn't you? It's a free gift. I just receive it. It was free to us, but it cost heaven everything. All right? It was free to us, but it's the most expensive thing on the planet, in the universe. It is the very Son of God. But we received it because of God's goodness. And so we received it by faith. Now, here is, a, here is the kicker. All of us have a choice every single day. Not only do you receive Christ by faith, but you receive every promise that he's given to you by faith. Everything that God has promised in the covenant comes to you by faith. You got saved by faith, but let me tell you something, you live by faith. You have to pursue it every single day. And every day you wake up, you have a new choice. You're going to walk in fear or you're going to walk in faith. You see, I can walk in fear and doubt and unbelief and think, God, listen, maybe blessing and benefit comes to some people, but it doesn't come to me. Or God will bless some people, but he doesn't bless my life. Listen to me, that, that's nonsense. God doesn't love some people more than he loves other people. God loves all of us the same. But all of us don't pursue God the same. All of us don't lay hold of the promise the same. In other words, we have a responsibility, but our responsibility is not to perform the law. Our responsibility now is to act in faith and to reach out by faith and to lay hold of the promise of God. Faith creates, listen, when you expect blessing, faith creates a culture of blessing in your life. It creates an environment of blessing. God is attracted to faith. I've said this to you before. I, you know, I travel, all over, I travel all over the world. I just got back from the UK. And when I, I got to the UK, I turned in my American dollars. Now, American dollars, I like American dollars. I really like American dollars. I'm not in love with them, but I like them. I like what they do. But let me tell you, let you a little secret. My American dollars are totally worthless in the UK. I have to turn in my American dollars for their currency, which are pound sterling. And they really like their pound sterling. My dollars don't do anything there. Why? Because they don't recognize my currency. They recognize their currency. Do you know heaven has a currency? Heaven's currency is faith. Heaven doesn't recognize all the stuff sometimes that we want to put on heaven. It doesn't even recognize your performance. It recognizes faith. You can have a little tiny bit of faith, just a mustard seed side of faith, and heaven goes, whoa, look at that faith. I'm responding to that faith. You see, what we want is to create a culture of faith. You want your house to be filled with faith. You want your marriage to be filled with faith. You want to impart faith to your children. You want to talk about faith and talk about the goodness of God and what happens when you've trusted God and believed God and walked with God. That's why... The Old Testament literally says this, that when you, talk, when you put your children to bed at night, you talk about the 
promises and the blessing of God. And when you get up in the morning, you talk about the blessings and the benefit of the God. And when you walk in the way, you're talking about the benefits and the blessings of God. You're literally creating in a culture an awareness of God's goodness in your life. I will tell you this. I remember times when our children weren't always godly. Now, this one was always here. He was, he was our resident legalist when he was being brought up. He was the one that always reminded us that we didn't always do it just right. But, but, but our boys, all of our boys love God. They're serving God. They're walking with God. Some of you, maybe you've got kids today that are not walking with God, but let me tell you something, you've got a covenantal promise that your kids are going to follow God. You can lay hold of that by faith. Don't buy into this stuff. Well, you can't determine what my kids will do. Now, you may not be able to determine all their decisions, but I like the way Joshua says it at the end of his book. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. That doesn't mean they don't go wandering sometimes this way or this way. But at the final analysis, when everything's said and done, my family is going to serve the Lord. My grandchildren are going to serve the Lord. My great-grandchildren are going to serve the Lord. And should Jesus tarry a hundred generations from now, they're still going to be serving and glorifying Jesus Christ. Somebody give God thanks today. So I, I speak blessing. You see, if, I, if I'm expecting blessing, I, it informs my mouth. I'm not talking doubt and saying I'm walking in faith. If I'm walking in faith, it starts pouring out my mouth. Now, what is faith? Faith is not the reality yet. Faith is still believing for the reality. So, in other words, if you're walking in faith, you don't have the full possession of that except you're seeing it on the other side. You know what I'm saying? In other words, it's not maybe in your hands concretely. You're laying hold of it. That's faith. When you get it, it's called reality. And everything we receive from God in reality, we receive by faith. So we have to press in. Sometimes maybe your kids don't do it right. Maybe they go crazy for a while. I remember we had some that did that. I won't tell you which ones. Sometimes they were just, and I, Lord God, I know you're true to your word. We lay hold of your promise. Our kids are going to serve the Lord. So they may not know it yet, but they're coming. They may not know it yet, but they're going all the way with you. And then there was the meantime. Emphasis on the mean time. In between time. When we had to press into God by faith. But we speak blessing. We speak it. Not only did we speak it. You know, in life and death are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That's what Proverbs says. We would decree it. We would decree it. There is power, listen to me, there is power in decreed blessing. We would decree blessing over our kids. I remember when our oldest wasn't serving the Lord, and I started decreeing things over them. Decree in Jesus' name. I'm not backing down. 
When the devil said, I'm going to kill him, I said, you get your filthy hands off him. He belongs to God. You will not. He's going to fulfill the purposes of God in his generation. You see, you lay hold of these things. You decree. There, there needs to be this, this righteous determination that rises up in us where we literally put our feet down and say, we declare war on hell in every demonic stronghold. We unsheath the sword of the Lord, the Word, and we go after the enemy. I think we need to take and understand so much of the covenant promises of God. This is why absorbing God's promise is important in your life. When the enemy comes in and he starts giving you lies, you unsheath the sword and start cracking him upside the head. He'll be hollering at you from down the road. You're going after God's promise. You're laying hold of what God has. We fight the good fight of faith, the Bible says. Lay hold of the promises of God. So we speak blessing. We decree blessing. We pray blessing. We are called to live in faith and blessing. I would lay our hands every single night on our kids. And listen, I remember as a boy myself, my father coming in. One of the fondest memories I have is being awakened with my father's hand on my head well after everybody was in bed and my dad praying over me. Praying over me. Speaking God's blessing over my life. And we would speak it over our children's lives. We would lay our hands on them and we would pray over them. And we would decree blessing and we would decree favor. Why? Because I have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. We pray the prayer of Jabez with our children. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders, that your hand would be with me and keep me from all evil so that I will be free from pain. One of the most precious things I have is to watch our grandchildren now. We watch our grandchildren. We're soon to have 14 of them. And uh, that's a lot of grandchildren. <laughs> Told our boys, we need to buy you all the TV or something. <laughs> and, But let me tell you something. One of, the, one of the great blessings is to watch those little children. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders that your hand would be with me and keep me from all evil so that I'll be free from pain. That there's been the impartation to one generation and now from that generation to another generation. How do we live? We live with a spirit of expectation. We live in faith. Let me tell you, everything we've received, we've received from God by faith. Got to hurry. Secondly, not only do I, I expect blessing by walking in faith, not in fear, I follow the Lord the best I can. This is so important. Listen, my performance is not where I get my acceptance. I'm already accepted. You're already accepted. You're accepted by the blood of Jesus Christ before God. But let me tell you something. When you love somebody, when you're thankful for somebody, you want to live your life in such a way that it brings pleasure and brings joy. I don't gain my acceptance by my performance, but I bring pleasure to the Lord by my performance. I bring pleasure to the Lord by saying, God, I want to serve you. 
I really mean it. I want to follow you. Do I do it right? No, I mess up a ton. You say, where? I say, none of your business. <laughs> we all mess up. We all blow it. But let me tell you, I want to follow you, Lord. I want to follow you so when I don't do it right, I, I dust myself off and I say, Lord, forgive me. I messed up. I should have done it better. I want to please you. I want you to be, I want your smile. I want to live to bring joy to you. And I live that way. The Bible says if, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I want to follow him. I ought to be living my life every day to bring pleasure to the Lord. So I follow the Lord the best I can. And then the third thing is this. Maintain an attitude of gratitude. I live thankful, therefore, I live humble. It's not built on me. You see, it's not about me being good that I've earned God's favor. No, it's about God is good and he's chosen to show his favor. Okay? I live humble and I'm grateful for everything. I'm generous with everything that the Lord has given me. I am blessed to be a blessing. You see, that's what God has in every one of our lives. You have been put in a very unique position. As a parent, you're in an amazing place to impart to another generation. But even if you're not a parent, you're in a place to impart. You see, whoever you rub shoulders with, you can leave a deposit in their life. You can bring the kingdom of God God's goodness and God's blessing into their life. I'm going to tell you, there's so much more in this. I've only skimmed the surface in unpacking this. But I want you to understand today, you and I are recipients of the covenant of God, the covenant that was given to Abram, but built on better promises through Jesus Christ. We receive the fullness of the covenant because of what Jesus has done. Are you thankful for that? Why don't you give Jesus a hand clap of faith? Stand to your feet and let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for these amazing promises. All the promises of God that are yes and in Christ Jesus, so be it. So I pray, Lord, today in every one of our lives, may we receive the fullness of this covenant for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.